0: This is day 99 and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, John 19 to 21 and Proverbs 6 verse 16 to 22. John 19, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They closed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which is which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clapus, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath, because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it had given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And, as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later Joseph of Arimathea sorry, later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders, with Pilate's permission he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, "'Woman, why are you crying? "'Who is it you are looking for?' "'Thinking he was the gardener,' she said, "'Sir, if you have carried him away, "'tell me where you have put him, and I will get him.' "'Jesus said to her, "'Mary.' "'She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, "'Rabboni, which means teacher.' "'Jesus said, "'Do not hold on to me, "'for I have not yet ascended to the Father.' "'Go instead to my brothers and tell them, "'I am ascending to my Father and your Father, "'to my God and your God.' "'Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. "'I have seen the Lord.' "'She told them that he had said these things to her. "'On the evening of that first day of the week "'when the disciples were together, "'with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, "'Jesus came and stood among them and said, "'Peace be with you.' "'After he said this, he showed them his hand and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, "'Unless I see the nail marks in his hands "'and put my fingers where the nails were "'and put my hand in his side, I will not believe.' "'A week later, his disciples were in the house, "'and Thomas was with them. "'Though the doors were locked, "'Jesus came and stood among them and said, "'Peace be with you.' "'Then he said to Thomas, "'Put your fingers here, see my hands, "'reach out your hand and put it into my side. "'Stop doubting and believe.' "'Thomas said to him, "'My Lord,' my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, We'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard his name, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said take care of my sheep the third time he said to him Simon son of John do you love me Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time do you love me he said Lord you know all things you know that I love you Jesus said feed my sheep very truly I tell you when you were younger you dressed yourself and went where you wanted but when you are older you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, "Follow me." Peter turned and saw that his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, "Lord, who is going to betray you?" When Peter saw him, he asked, "Lord, what about him?" Jesus answered, "If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you?" you must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Proverbs 6, verse 16. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven are detestable to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. At the end of Jesus' discourse, at his arrest, we read how, This is the way. While it's a totally different story, The Mandalorian, Disney's new Star Wars series, has developed a character and a culture that adheres to a strict set of values they refer to as the way. But here in this story, Jesus is revealing the way in the most incredible connected story that is still unfolding in our lives today. Marty Solomon and other biblical scholars describe the Gospel of John as a book of signs, seven signs. The first was Jesus changing the water into wine in John 2. Then Jesus healing the royal official's son in John 4. Third, Jesus healed the paralytic in John 5. Fourth, Jesus fed the 5,000 and walked on the water in John 6. Fifth, Jesus healed the blind man in John 9. Sixth, resurrected Lazarus in John 11, which is representative or foreshadowing of the seventh miracle, where Jesus died self-sacrificially, yielding his divine power and then being raised from the dead. So in summary, we see that God uses Jesus to transform, to heal, to multiply, do the unexpected, and ultimately raise from the dead. Marty Solomon describes how these seven signs point back to the creation story. And this is the start of new creation. There was a garden in Eden, a garden in the story of Mary, here in John, and there was a garden where Jesus surrendered himself to save us. This gets me because it's such a clear threaded narrative over hundreds of years, books and people and generations of a promise fulfilled. This is just like such a a testament to me of this truth. Restoration and redemption have begun. This is a new world, new creation, where even Gentiles or non-Jews are being gathered into this story along Messianic Jews or the Jews that also believe in Jesus. The book of John is also referred to as the book of hours. Remember where Jesus would say, it's not yet time and the time is coming and the hour has come. The book of John is also referred to as the book of glory because it points to the divinity of Jesus as God himself and returning to his father, God. Dr. N.T. Wright talks about glory having two parts, one being authority and responsibility, this incredible power, but also something visible and radiant, causing awe and perhaps overwhelm. So there is both authority and something extraordinary. It's still hard to imagine that human beings are being called to stand at the section where heaven and earth meet, as N.T. Wright describes, that God designed it to be so, and Jesus sacrificed and gave glory to God in his sacrifice and resurrection for this to be so. There was glory in Jesus' divinity and yielding of awesome power and radiance and his loving sacrifice and resurrection. He is calling humanity to use their blessing and God-given portion of their power and authority to yield to God's purpose for life and to be radiant name-bearers and blessings to others, a living light, outpouring of God's water, salt for preservation and bringing out His flavor, and a living invitation to Jesus. Still further, Dr. Craig Keener draws a lot of water imagery in the book in the Gospel of John, which is worth mentioning. It starts in John, where John is baptized in water, which is good, but speaking about the one who will baptize them in a different way, which is great. He is referring to Jesus' atonement and gift of the Holy Spirit. While the Jewish leaders often water-baptized, even Gentiles, it was Jesus who told Nicodemus, a Jewish leader, that he also needed to be baptized, to be born again. Later, at Jacob's well, Jesus offers the Samaritan woman living water— I think back to Genesis 2 where the land had no water, it had not yet rained, and God brought up streams of water. It's like I I perceive it as a type of baptism. And in one of his next actions, he breathes life into mankind. And I think of this as I think of the Holy Spirit here. Then Jesus uses the water to heal in a way that water could not do on its own. Jesus washes the disciples' feet as he talks about the atoning, sacrificial cost of his death. On the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, where they talked about the waters of life, Jesus claims he is the new living water, the flow of water of life, and that is why we can have springs of living water outpour from us in Jesus' name. In John 19, Jesus was pierced in the side. And this is the only account of this in all four Gospels because it points to this important theme, this point of Jesus being the atoning, cleansing force, like water in combination with his divine sacrifice. What I love is how both Tom Wright and N.T. Wright describe this as the day the revolution began. And while Jesus will return to complete it one day in total redemption, We are called to believe, be atoned, gifted with the advocate, and are a part of the representative, restorative, and redemptive process because the revolution has begun. Something else to point out is that numbers mean something special to the Jewish people in Hebrew. Keep in mind the Hebrew language has no numbers, but the alphabet has numeric value. Therefore, Marty Solomon points out that the 153 fish spell out, I am God in Hebrew, ani, which has the numeric value 61, and Elohim, which has the numeric value of 92, when added together, total 153. So this 153, this very specific number of fish that they pulled back in the end, is representative of Jesus saying or being, giving, representing, I am God. In summary, we were alienated and dislocated in Genesis 3, but not disqualified from our purpose. Jesus redeemed and restored us and asked us to follow Him. Wow, I just love the Gospels and our Messianic checkpoints. Next up, we are back to the story of the rise of the Israelite kingdom of mankind, the story of Saul, then David, and Solomon.